Well, praise the Lord. We're here again. Pastor Gus Brown, Akron Lions Fellowship, wishing all you mothers a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. What a day to recognize all of you because you are an outstanding, outstanding group. And I praise God for my own mom and for those mothers who work tirelessly every day in bringing up their children in the nurture of the Lord. In this time in which we live, something has to be said about this thing of motherhood. It seems like it's fading. It seems like it's slipping away. Mothers sometimes today don't seem as though they want to make the sacrifice that they even seen their own mothers make on their behalf. <clears throat> There's far too many grandmothers raising their grandchildren. And many mothers have come to a place where they're not willing to put their life, in a sense, on hold while they raise their children. And somehow we forget that the moment that child comes into this world, the parent's life kind of like goes on hold for the sake of that child. But I want to remind you today also that as mothers, you have a strong influence on your children. More than anyone else, you're the one who can really speak a word to them and they're are able to hear your voice among thousands of other voices. They hear yours. In stating that, I just want to remind you about Shaq O'Neal, that uh, when he was a rookie, and uh, Shaq had just started his uh, pro debate as a pro in basketball, and he got in some trouble on the floor. I forget exactly what it was, but uh, the referees was trying to get him out of the game, off the floor. The coaches called him over and tried to pull him off to the side. And Shaq just wouldn't listen to anybody. But his mom yelled out his name. <laughs> and he looked at her and she told him to get off that floor. And this giant of a man came off that floor like a sheeply little child. But he listened to her. She had influence over him. And that was good. That was great. Many people laughed about that, continued to uh, take note of that. But Shaq's mom meant what she said. And he knew it. And when she spoke... He obeyed. When he wouldn't obey the referees, he wouldn't obey the coach, he wouldn't obey anybody else. But when he heard his mom, he did what she asked of him. And he came off the floor. That's the influence that many mothers have. And moms, you have to use that influence. There was a mother back in the 16th century 
Charles IX, King of France, who influenced her son wrongly. And when you go into Old Testament, you'll see mothers who influenced their sons who were kings wrongly. They gave the wrong advice. They lived the life that was not that of a godly woman. They were different. And you can bring harm to your child when you don't surrender to God and really live the type of life not only before your child but before God. You can bring a lot of hurt into your child's life. And this is what Charles the Ninth Mother did. She helped him to come to the decision to kill thousands of people and to cause thousands of people to leave France. And they were some of the most loyal subjects to the king. But she was Catholic and he was Catholic. And the Huguenots were Protestants. They were followers of John Calvin. And many of them died just because of their faith and what they believed. Based on a mother's persuasion of her son to persecute them. Now, this son makes a statement years later as he's dying on his bed. He says to his physician, asleep or awake, I see the mangled forms of the Huguenots passing before me. It was something in his mind that he could not forget. He could not dismiss the pictures of the bodies of those that he had had killed at the persuasion of his mother. Mom, let me just share with you. You will influence your child for good or bad by the way in which you live and the counsel that you give. And I pray that you would be able to give godly counsel and that you would give it because you mean your child well. There are too many children growing up without good direction, a good foundation, and really being loved by both parents or at least one. We cause our children a lot of problems in life that they never, never forget if we are not the mothers and fathers that we should be. As a mother, your goal should be to build good memories that can be used for good in that child's life. 
Today, there's a lot of children who do not want to live with their biological mother. And I praise God for millions and millions of those who cling to their mothers. What a blessing. But it all is based on the character of this mother. Motherhood needs to be redeveloped. It needs to be looked at in a very serious role as a woman. You want to build in good memories for your kids. You really do want your kids to raise up and call you blessed and really be able to say, I had had the privilege of being blessed with a wonderful, wonderful mother. I know I have. There was 14 of us, 11 boys and three girls. And my mom was outstanding. Um, she is worthy of all the praise and all that we could ever give her. She's gone on to be with the Lord, but sometime when I look at her picture, I can still hear her voice. And there's a lot of good memories and a lot of good laughter. It's called we traveled together, we went on vacations together. Uh, uh, we enjoyed mom and dad, grandpa and grandma. And those memories are still there. And even when my brothers and sisters, as I get together, we get together, we'll talk about mom, we'll talk about her apple pie, we'll talk about her bean soup, we'll talk about the things that she did and how clean she kept us and, 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 and the advice that she would give us, uh, just the things that she would do to make a home for us. Sometimes even at her own sacrifice. Now, the best moment, children, the best monument, I'm sorry, the best monument children can raise to their mothers is memories, is that of a clean, upright life. Grandpa did that. The best monument your child will build on your behalf is their life. Because their life will demonstrate what you have put in them and how they live. And when you see their life in a manner that is really helpful, and pleasing and delightful to you, you're going to rejoice to see your children and the way that they live. As a mother, learn to give your children good advice, good counsel. They're going to need it. They're going to need it. Don't come up with this thing, don't do as I do. That's not really good counsel. Because what you do is what they will see and most likely consider it to be right. And will do what you do. Even though you tell them, don't do as you do. 
if you live in a manner that is not right before them. They may not say it, but they kind of disrespect you, have a little hate on the inside, and that's why some of our children have problems, because they know they're supposed to love mom, but are troubled by the way mom chooses to live. And understand this, no child, according to Abraham Lincoln, no child is poor who has a godly mother, who has a mother who really loves them. They're not poor. A lot of things they may miss in life, but one thing they do know, they're not missing mom. Timothy was such a child that was blessed to have a godly mother, but a very strong mother. And I want to bring out some of her strengths because from what we have in the text in Acts 16, she had to be a very strong, strong mother. But I believe that also comes from Lois, the grandmother. Eunice picked up some of her traits from her mother and are using them on Timothy. And there's something else that takes place, according to Second Timothy chapter 1, is uh, it mentions mom and grandmother. Uh, so they had no problem ganging up on Timothy. And there's nothing wrong with uh, grandma helping out and mom also there and they kind of both uh, gang up on Timothy or gang up on the child. Uh, we need all the help we can get. But mom always has to remember she's mom. And grandma has to remember She's grandma and not mom. Now, one of the things that let me know that Timothy's mom was a strong woman was that she was Jewish. Am I just saying all Jewish women are strong women? No, she was Jewish, married to a Greek man. So we got a biracial child. We have a child that could be torn between two different religious sects. One Judaism and the other one, whatever God that his father may have followed under Greek philosophy or one of the Greek gods. It doesn't tell us that Timothy's father was a Christian or not. We don't have that information. But we do have the information that he was taught well by his grandmother and by his mom, the ways of the Lord, the things of the Lord. And he's even reminded to stir up the faith that was in him that comes from grandma and mom. So here's this Timothy, a young man, and it jumps pretty quick for us. 
But in order to get some time where scripture shows us what's going on in a person's life, it just didn't happen just like that. There were some building blocks. There were some strong teaching going on. And it's amazing how this starts off in 16. He says about Paul in verse 1, he came to Derba and then to Lestra, where a disciple named Timothy. Now, now catch that word disciple, because that's so important. Because the question I had to ask myself, who's doing the discipling? Was this mom doing the discipling? Understand, mom, you are to disciple your children in the ways of the Lord. You are to teach them. That's all a disciple is, is a learner. Someone who is learning. And it calls Timothy a disciple. He doesn't tell us what man might be discipling. Was Paul discipling earlier in Timothy's life? Or is Paul just meeting Timothy? It, it leaves a lot of this out. But one thing that is for sure is that you cannot argue sometimes with Scripture, especially when it allows us to hear what they were like. So in Second Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. What is Paul talking about? A sincere faith in who? In Timothy. He recognized that Timothy had a very sincere faith. Now that's not saying Timothy is fully mature. But Timothy does have a solid foundation of what he believes. You will bless your child if you give them a foundation to grow on. That's what Timothy had in spiritual things. And it says that he had a very sincere faith, which first lived in his grandmother, catch the generation now, lived in his grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. Now, there's this thing that you're passing down. But I hear so many parents say today, I don't want to force my religion on my child. Do you believe every religion is going to take you to heaven? Do you believe that there's some other way to get to heaven other than through Jesus Christ? Do you believe that there is no hell, so you're not worried about your child winding up in hell? You're not forcing your child. You're discipling your child. You're teaching your child. You're giving your child the opportunity to learn from you as the mother. And that's so important because in the tender age, in the young age, that's when they need to hear you pray. That's when they need to hear you call on Jesus. That's when they need to recognize how important Jesus is to you in a very early stage. Some of these young mothers are so busy chasing after every man but the right man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and their child miss it. And the best time to start with a child is when they're young and tender. That's why Islam starts teaching at four, between four and five years old. 
they're in that Quran learning. And here she says, Timothy is a disciple who's doing the discipling. It may have been the mother and the grandmother. It was those two. Most likely it was not the father. Again, because nothing in scripture leads us to say that he was a Christian. Or even that he may have been living at this time. We don't know for sure. But what we do know from 2 Timothy 1 is that his sincere faith, as Paul puts it, comes through his mom and grandmother. Now, I'm quite sure that the Holy Spirit would allow Paul to mention this Greek man, if this Greek man really would have had some influence. Now, I, I say that to say this. We sometimes debate and argue about how many women are at church and how many men miss church and that our churches are loaded with women two, three times more than men. That may be true. And if that is true, then it's even that much more important for you, Mom, to make sure that you are discipling your child in the things of the Lord. Because you may have an ungodly man in your life. You may be married to an ungodly man who doesn't care anything about the Lord. But your child needs to know truth. Don't worry. They'll make their own decision even as they grow. If Jesus Christ is truly real to them. But they need to hear it. And they need to understand that salvation comes through no other name other than Jesus Christ. And you'll never start too early sharing about Jesus Christ. And it says that he was a disciple, lived whose mother was a Jewish and a believer. Now they put two things there. She's Jewish, but she's a believer. That can be trouble. This is who you are. This is your history. This is your background. This is what you ought to be. She is Jewish. But she's also a believer. So there was a conversion. There was a change at some place. Or, as I like to say sometimes, a continuation from Old Testament to New Testament. Um, she accepted her Messiah that was talked about in the Old Testament. And she lived for him. She was a believer. She didn't hesitate. She was open about it. She lived that godly life. And Timothy was able to see that. So it was not only talk, but it was also action. And oftentimes with mothers, we get a lot of talk and very low action. The children need to see you acting on what you say you truly believe. Don't tell your child you believe in Jesus Christ and sleep with every man in town. Don't tell your child you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he's able to deliver and do this and do that and you're strung out on drugs and alcohol and everything else. Don't tell your child you're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and you use his name in profanity all over the place. 
children believe more of what they see than what they hear. And you are the number one example in their life. And Deborah was very strong. And I imagine he knew he was a biracial child. That he knew his father was a Greek, most likely. And his mom was Jewish. But they had decided to follow Jesus. And it says something else about her here. In verse 2, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. When people speak well of your child, when they praise your child, when they build up your child, what they are acknowledging is what you have done in the life of your child. They see that you've taught your child manners. They see that you've taught your child self-respect. They see that you have educated your child. They see that your child has some type of skills and knowledge. They're able to sit and talk. And it's not so much just childish talk, but it's mature talk. It's, it's talk that makes sense and reasonable. Uh, he is one who is willing to listen and also learn. They're able to see what a parent has put into this child, and they speak well of that child. Now, tell me any parent who doesn't want people to speak well of their child. But remember, the child will act out what they see at home. They will act out what they see at home. And they'll tell you what the belief is at home. If there is any at all. They'll even tell you of all the strange men that parade through the house and so forth. And they'll tell you of your drinking, your smoking. A child is quite honest, especially in his early years. But it's also very disturbing to them because they're trying to figure out what is right and what is wrong. And it says the brothers spoke well of him. They praised him. And it's good when you hear other people really praise your child and speak very well of your child. How many of you are glad to hear people speak in a very positive, uplifting way about your child? That they feel and sense the maturity and the growth of your child. They're able to see it, and they acknowledge it. Moms, that's what you develop. What you develop is what you put on stage. What's the stage? The world. You develop your child to be seen by the world. Because the world is going to see your child. And they're going to see your child for good or bad. And that's how you have input and influence. And your influence will influence them for either good or bad. Now, he goes on because you need to understand that his mom taught him and taught him well. 
and allow him to be seen on this world stage. People don't have to be told Timothy was a Christian. It was seen in his everyday life. Why? Because that's what he saw in his mother. And he lived that life that he saw his mom live. Christians, remember that you are always showcasing Jesus Christ. You are showcasing Jesus Christ. And as a godly mother, your child is going to respond to that. But if you're an ungodly mother, they're also going to respond to that. And it is your choice. Now, Timothy, in verse 3, allows us to see something that's going to take place. Because here again, in how she raised her son. You can raise your children to be very argumentative. You can raise your children to be very disrespectful. You can raise your children to... uh think their own way that they're right and will not learn from other people and I would suggest to you it's always better to teach them to have an open door to learn but they always have something to base that on and that would be what they really believe from scripture so they'll be able to cipher what is right and wrong they'll be able to understand if this is good for them or bad for them All that comes in your teaching. Timothy is old enough here to leave home and and, and Paul wants him to go with him. Now, two things take place here. Paul saw something in Timothy that his mother had instilled in him and he calls it over there in 2 Timothy 1, a sincere faith. So there was a foundation put there. There was a seriousness, not a plaything, not a, a a myth thing, not just a traditional thing. It was a sincere faith in Jesus Christ. And that's instilled by his mother. And Paul sees that. And Paul says, I'd like to take him with me. What people see in your children is what you put in there. And some people will say, boy, I would like to employ your child. I would like to work your child. Oh, I I think your child would be a great employee in my company. You'll be surprised how people see your children by what you have instilled in them and want them. But there's also the other side of that, too. If the right things have not been instilled in them, they're not wanted. They're not sought after. And we come up saying later on, uh, nobody wants my child. They they think my child is this. They think my child is that. Uh, they, they, they see my children as worthless. The, no, it's what you have developed in your children that is on display that other people would say, I want them. I want them on my team. I want them with us. 
I want them to work for me because of what they see. And Paul saw something in Timothy that said, I want him to travel with me. His sincere faith is dynamic for a young man. And he is well grounded. I want him with me. So in verse 3 it says, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. Now, now look what happens here. And this is where Timothy could have argued. Timothy could have rebelled. Timothy could not have taken Paul's advice. Because, see, Timothy was not circumcised. And Paul going to a Jewish group knew that was going to be a hindrance. Plus him also being a Greek, knowing a little bit about maybe his background. And it's surprising what people know about you. And which way you're leaning and what you're for and what you're against. It's surprising how much people sometimes really know about you and your children. And Paul says, it's going to be better to go ahead and circumcise Timothy. Now, Timothy could have came up with all type of opposition. I'm a man. Nobody's going to circumcise me. Uh, this is how I lived for the last 15 years, 18 years, 20 years. Uh, and now you're talking about circumcising me. And, and Timothy could have came up with all kind of excuses. But I believe Timothy was taught to listen to reason, to listen to understanding, to respect those who were older than him, who would give him good advice. Timothy really hadn't traveled much. And Paul had traveled quite extensively. And now Paul is sharing something with him. I think where we're going, it may be better for you to be circumcised. And it doesn't tell us that Paul gave him all the rationale behind that. But Timothy accepted it. You know, a lot of our young people today cannot accept good advice. They will not hear older people. Oh, that's old fashioned. That's how they used to do it. No, life doesn't change that much. Mannerism, respect, Morals, principles, values of life, they don't change. They stay consistent. They're constant. But our young people want to make them seem a little fluid. Uh, they just run this way, that way, all over the place, and however you feel. And that's not true. And they won't give an ear because they haven't been taught. You know, you have to teach a child to listen. Sometime when I'm in the store and I hear a parent say to a child three or four times, stop touching, stop touching, stop taking that off the shelf, stop this, stop. They can't shout because they're constantly trying to correct their child. And that child needs to learn one thing. That when mom speaks, she speaks one time. Uh, a church that I used to attend when I was a younger man, 
we took in some Vietnamese families from Vietnam. And um, we were visiting the house because at that time I was an elder at this church. And we were visiting the house, my wife and I and another elder and his wife. And uh, there were five or six kids in that house, but you would have never known it. You didn't hear a thing from those kids. And that's not saying they were not playing, they were not active. They were. But it was not in such a manner that it was disturbing us in our conversation. And one of the wives asked the mother, how is it that you get your children to play without being so destructive and and very loud? And she told us where she come from. When the Viet Cong came to look for children to place in the army, they would hide their children. And their children had to be very quiet. But most of all, as soon as it was known that these men were on their way to take children, from their homes, from their families. They would tell their children to go hide. And they didn't have the opportunity to go through the whole lecture of why and and what's going on. Those children had to respond immediately. And she said, we taught our children that we only can speak one time because the Viet Cong would be there very shortly And if they were not in the places where they would have fixed for them to hide, they could be taken away from them and forced to serve in the military in North Vietnam. Now, those are things that went on. But in our country, we're so relaxed. Mom, you have to teach your child to listen. Why? One day, they got to listen to a teacher in school and respond to that teacher. One day, they got to listen to a professor. And they have to understand, they don't know more than the professor does. The professor already got his master or his doctor's degree. They're trying to get theirs, but they know more than the professor. They need to be able to listen because one day they're going to work for somebody. And somebody's going to tell them what to do. And they have to be able to follow those instructions. It starts at a very young age teaching children to follow instructions and to hear them. And if they're not clear, to ask. And to allow the person to understand that they don't understand what they are asking of them. That's part of raising the child. That's part of developing the child. And mom, I know sometimes this can be tiresome, repeating, repeating, repeating yourself. But teach yourself to repeat, but also recognize if the child is really listening and understanding. That's part of your job as a mom. To be able to give clear instructions that the child can follow. And you expect them to do it 
without going through four or five times. And Timothy was able to hear Paul without an argument, without a fight, that it was better to go ahead and be circumcised because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And Paul said, boy, we're going to go on the Oh, in this area, we're going to be ministering to Jews. It's best that you be circumcised. That does away with one argument for them. It makes ministering the gospel a little bit simpler for them. And Timothy was able to hear what Paul was requesting. And he did it. Now, we need to understand, if you haven't taught your child to listen, and to respect the advice of older people. You've taught them to hurt themselves. Most older people want to see a younger generation progress. And that's one of the reasons they're willing to share the wisdom, the knowledge that they have with that child. And it doesn't cost anything. That's the amazing thing. I can understand if you had to pay somebody for their wisdom, for their knowledge, for their learning about life. But this comes free. And and yet the child will not listen. And that just goes back to the parent to show that the parent has not taught the child how to discern what is good for them. And that's one of the jobs of a mom. To teach your child how to discern what other people might be sharing with them. If it's really good for them or is bad for them. They don't have to disrespect the person. They don't have to cuss somebody out. They don't have to get into an argument. They just need to know how to listen. And then also respond sometime with a simple thank you. For sharing what was shared. And if you need more. You'll ask for more. If you really think it has value for you. And that's where a lot of kids are missing today. They cannot weigh. If the information that they are receiving from someone. If it's really valuable. If it's pertinent. If it's important. The mother. Has to teach have to disciple, help to help their son or daughter to learn that they can be the best individual that they can be. And Paul wants to take Timothy on this trip, but I'm quite sure that if Timothy would have put up an argument, start rebelling, no, they got to accept me the way I am, This is what it's going to be like. Timothy wouldn't have went anywhere. He wouldn't have went anywhere. But because of what Paul saw in his faith, his sincere faith, Paul says, I want Timothy to go with me. But this is what has to take place in order for Timothy to go with me. And then it says, as they travel from town to town, look at Timothy is learning. Look at the education that Timothy is receiving. 
from just traveling with Paul from town to town, from culture to culture, from people to people, uh, what he is seeing that is different. I love going to different countries. Anybody who thinks that we're all just the same in a sense of how we live and how things we do is totally different. And each culture somewhat has their own uh, traditions and their own way of life and what is valuable in life and so forth and the morals of life. Uh, it can be different some. But we're able to learn. We're able to see those things then that are the same because humanity doesn't change that much. I don't care if you're a parent here in the United States or a parent in Colombia, uh, a parent in Russia, a parent in Japan. You want the best for your child. As parents, we all want that. Mothers around the world are protective of their children and want the best for their children. No difference in that. But there is differences. And you're able to begin to see those differences and learn. And he says, as they went from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles. Timothy is sharing with others. But now he has also been taught by Paul about the thing of circumcision, about what the apostles have agreed upon that need to be shared with others. He's doing that. He's involved in ministry. He's involved in people's lives. All because he's been brought up, in a sense, to be able to do that. Your child is brought up in a manner, in a way, that they take note of how they've been trained and then they respond. It would be response, a response that's in the positive or the negative. It would be a response that is either good and helpful to them and to someone else or something that will be bad and destructive towards others. It's what you build into your child. And remember this thing of circumcision. He's a grown man. Could have argued it. But the law says for a Jewish young man, he supposed to be circumcised, what, the eighth day? And that was an important thing that as they went from town to town to town to speak to these Jewish individuals and to others, that there would be nothing that would disrupt the message of the gospel. But he had to be prepared for that. And it goes on and it says in that area <clears throat> that as they went from town to town, the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Timothy was able to be prepared to do something that he never saw himself doing. 
he never may have seen himself going from town to town. He may have never seen himself traveling with Paul. He he never seen himself out being an itinerary preacher. He never seen himself pastoring a church. But the preparation was there. The foundation was laid. You prepare your child for the opportunities that might come that they would be ready to accept when opportunity knocks on their door. They're not fearful. They're confident. They know how to respond. They're respectful. They're obedient to authority. They're not lazy. They're willing to do. Timothy opens himself up to learning. He opened himself up. Why? He had been taught. A lot of young people already know everything about life. They're 15, 16, 17 years old, and they know everything about life. They know what it is to buy a home. They know what it is to buy a car. They know what it is to save money. They know what it is when crisis take place in life. They know this. They know that. And really, they know nothing. You teach your children for that day when the opportunity knocks on their door. They're not fearful to step into it. They've been prepared for it. And Timothy was prepared for it with a sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy opened himself up to learning from Paul. He went through the cities and he continued to learn. His mother, not knowing what his future might be, and most mothers don't really know the future of their child. We can dream for them, we can hope for the best for them, but we really don't know. But the most important thing is this. You don't prepare for a job the day before you get a job. You don't prepare for certain opportunities that come your way only after that opportunity is there. The preparation for living life is why the child is being raised. And they're going to be a lifelong learner if you've taught them the value of learning. If you taught them how to respect those who have knowledge and glean from them. You're the one, as a mother, who is able to influence your child to open up to opportunities that they would have never, never dreamed of. If you're willing to put the training and the time into them. You're preparing your child 
was such an unexpected opportunity because we never know when opportunity is going to knock on our doors. We don't know their futures, but we should build confidence in them that they're ready to step into it and strengthen them. Strengthen them. Teach them to strengthen themselves, not to destroy themselves. Teach them to always be ready to build themselves up and that there be a willingness to work. How many young people today really want to work? They want a paycheck without work. And how many young people really even keep their word? Teach your child to keep their word is valuable. Teach them that they can tackle whatever comes their way. But that takes training. You just don't go out on the football field and start tackling. You're taught how to tackle. And today, our kids need to know how to tackle problems and stay with it, how to bring about solutions. They need to know that. They need to know how to pick a mate, another man or another woman, to be their lifelong husband or wife. They need to know what it is to work a job and to be honest on that job and to stay with it until they find something better and to always leave one job with the ability to come back to that job if need be. You are building a reputation that will far exceed your child. If you truly work at it as moms. Again, I want to say God bless you. I hope you'll take a look at Acts chapter 16 here. 1 through 5. And look at this mother. Look at her strengths. She didn't back down. She was not what Timothy called a weak-minded mother. She didn't have to have a man there with her, per se. She raised her son. Are you raising your children to be more than what they could be? To be more than what they could be. Are you raising them with such an attitude? I pray that you are. God bless you as you endeavor to raise your children in a manner that will allow them to be outstanding citizens and someone who you will be mighty, mighty, mighty proud of. And to be willing to say, that's my son, that's my daughter. And one day you will hear, a son or a daughter say, thanks, mom. Thanks, mom, for what you instilled in me. Well, God bless you. May God keep you until next week. May you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Father, I pray that you would bless these dear mothers. And that, Lord, there's no instructional book that we really have in raising our children. 
But we do have the Holy Spirit who lives in us if we know the Lord Jesus Christ to guide us and to give us wisdom and discernment in raising our children in a way that they themselves can live successful lives in a destructive world. Would you minister to them? And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God keep you.